0: Hello friends and welcome to the Meta Meta Y'all podcast. My name is Seth Brown and I'm the host of this podcast and to be quite honest, this may be the first and only Meta Meta Y'all podcast ever, so enjoy while it lasts. But you might be thinking, where does Meta Meta come from, Seth? Let me tell you. It comes from a term, a word that I found out in seminary just recently. I don't think I've ever heard this word before. It's called, well, that's metacognition. Metacognition. That's where meta meta y'all comes from. But see, metacognition, the definition of that is, is thinking about your thinking. So to be involved in metacognition is to be thinking about what you're thinking. Why does this matter? That's what I thought. Why does this matter? And let me tell you, it matters a lot. Because here's the deal. Our thoughts, the way we think, it really gets into how we live. So we've got to get deep and really be serious about thinking about how we're thinking. So meta- cognition so let's dive into this podcast meta meta y'all and here i've got to come out and just say this is kind of for a class at denver seminary about leadership and we read these two books one's called mining god's business by ray s anderson the other one's called leadership and self-deception by the arbinger institute they're gonna kind of be our guides today for our for this meta meta y'all podcast. But if we're gonna look at theology, right? I'm at seminary, so a lot of it deals with theology. Well, let's we gotta know what theology means and why it matters when we're thinking about our thinking. And here's the definition from Ray Anderson in his book, Ray S. Anderson in his book, "Mining God's Business. It's on page 26. It says this. Theology is the task of being responsible to act and think in accordance with the way in which God, Theos, thinks and acts. Let me read that again, just so we can think about it. <laughs> Theology is the task of being responsible to act and think in accordance with the way in which God, Theos, thinks and acts. I love Ray Anderson says here, it's not that easy. He's right, it's not that easy. But see, that's a great definition, though, of theology. And he goes on to really give this other, to kind of define it even more on page 27. In the same book, it says this Theology is not our interpretation of the acts of God, for we cannot ourselves bring God under examination. He is not at our disposal, so to speak, in such a way that we can interpret him. Rather, God is his own self interpreter through his own Logos, which has become incarnate in Jesus Christ. Therefore, Theology is the task and responsibility of bringing our minds as well as our actions under the direction of the divine logos. This is a personal and devotional act, of course, but it is also an act and process of critical thinking. So the role of theology and metacognition is this, is is really getting our minds around who God is and begin getting our thoughts and our thinking centered on, on Him, on His Word, on Jesus. And so, centering our minds on that, because I mean, what bigger thoughts can we have than who God is, in my opinion? And then also, what God thinks about us. To really dive into what we're thinking about those subjects can have a gigantic impact on the actions of our life. So that's the role of theology in metacognition. It really dives deep into that, of of getting our minds right, getting our minds focused on the right thing. Let me read that definition again just so we can continue. That's kind of a baseline of of the rest of these thoughts that go through. It's all based upon this principle of theology and how theology plays into our thinking, into our metacognition. Theology is the task of being responsible to act and think in accordance with the way in which God thinks and acts. So theology gets our thinking based on what God thinks and, and, and how he acts. And then in turn, taking our thoughts and then our actions and looking like God, looking like Jesus here on earth, bringing his image to the earth. To this, to our communities, to our neighborhoods, to our you know, our neighbors, to our, to our husbands, to wives, to our kids. It's huge. Theology is just a huge role in it. So, where do we begin? How do we begin this process? If we're gonna say theology is I'm gonna the premise theology is the is the building blocks of the metacognition process we're gonna go into. How do we start? Well, first I would say prayer. Prayer is the first place we have to start, and, and, and prayer is where we tend to, at least I know myself, many times I tend to just go to God in prayer about stuff that's going on or I need help. You know, I can remember in in school being like, dear Lord, if you can just help me pass this test. I know I haven't studied, but if you could help me out, just, I mean, you get a C, I'll take a C. I'm that's cool. That was my prayer life, pretty much middle school and high school. <laughs> that was my prayer life. But it's so much bigger and deeper than that in reality. Now I know, I know it's so much deeper, but I still maybe you struggle as well. Still struggle. Just prayer is about intimacy with God. It's about just being with God. Being with him. That's what, that's what prayer is about the intimacy with God by just allowing Him and and talking to Him about what is going on in your life. But let's get into the metacognition part, into what you're thinking, praying about what you're thinking, giving those thoughts over to God and allowing Him and his, his, His Spirit to influence that. And then after prayer is the Bible. Reading through Scripture, allowing the Logos, the Word, You know, Jesus, the Word of God, to infiltrate our hearts, our minds, our thoughts, and then our actions by dwelling on His Word, by dwelling on the Word of God, by reading the Bible, we can begin to turn our thoughts and then, in turn, our actions towards God, right? Theology. And lastly, is honest reflection. I think this is the biggest part of Metacognition is the honest reflection upon where you are, maybe where you want to be in the process of that, what that might look like. What is it about my thoughts right now that are blocking that? what what about my thoughts? What about my thoughts about this that got that helped me do this? you know, understanding those thoughts can be so huge whether whether they're, you know, going towards being more like Christ or maybe thoughts that are keeping us from being more like Christ. But thinking about both sides of that coin can be so helpful in just following him. So that's where we begin. Prayer, studying the God's word, honest reflection. And then I'd even say maybe, you know, a huge part to community, being involved in a, a local church where you have you know, believers that are your age that are going through the same things you're going through. We also have those that are have walked through things you haven't walked through or have, are walking through things that, that you're walking through now. They've been through it. And, and so that'd be another even part of that. And, and, and so metacognition is, is, is just a great tool to use. It's a great way to really dive into your thinking. And, and you know, there's sometimes that you that you stumble upon things that you didn't know. You know, you really didn't know what you were doing at the time. And then now, now you realize it. And, and for me, the Enneagram. Now I don't know how you feel with Enneagram. Some people are real against it. Some people are real pro for it. Uh, and there's probably a bunch of people right in the middle of it. But for me, the Enneagram was kind of an introduction. For me, into metacognition, thinking about my thinking. Now, I don't know if you know much at all about the Enneagram. I'm not sure how much you know about it, but really, it's not a personality test. It's not it's not like that. It, it's more about your motivation behind. Why, you, why you're doing something. So you really got to think about it. And, and so there's that metacognition part. You really have to think deeply about, about it and to understand, to find out your Enneagram number. So it's based on numbers. There's nine numbers. Each one has, is, I guess they call it a, a passion. And they also have um, kind of a, I guess I'll call it a pitfall. And so by finding out these things, it, it can really get into your thinking you're, you're sometimes I use the word motivation, you know, passion and motivation. So you find out what that deep motivation is. And as you think about it, it really, wow. When I started thinking about, I am an Enneagram nine and the motivation based on the Enneagram, the passion is to, you know, keep the peace, to avoid conflict at all costs. So a lot of decision, make decisions I make, I'm realizing that I'm thinking through them is I'm making these decisions to avoid conflict. And so the pitfall is that for a nine is that you fall asleep to your own life or to your own desires. So you just go along with the flow to keep the peace. And as as I started thinking through that, when I saw it, when I found out I was a, a number nine, I started reading about, looking into it. I started seeing and started really thinking and diving into why did I choose that or why did I do that in that moment, and it became it, it's metacognition. And so some great books, just to throw a couple things out there at you, if you are maybe interested in some of like the enneagram, great book called "The Road Back to You," an enneagram journey. It's a book by Ian Morgan, Cron uh, and Susan. Um, Pulling it up here, Susan Stabile. Great book. It was super helpful. Another is a podcast by Annie F. Downs it's called "That Sounds Fun." In the last two summers, she has done a series called "Any a Summer," where she interviews uh, a male and a female of each number type and gets them just to talk about their thinking. So it's a metacognition kind of. Whole podcast about it, um, about the Enneagram, but the thinking about your thinking and why and processing. And so it's really helpful. So to me, that was kind of an introduction to metacognition for me. And so when I read this second book in this class, in my leadership class at Denver Seminary, this book called Leadership and Self Deception. It I really believe like the Enneagram part of already kind of looking at, you know, metacognition part that I didn't realize was there, but I was doing it. It, it, to me, it helped this book and you got to get, if you're into leadership or man, if you have, if you, if you're not a hermit and living by yourself and never see anyone else, you don't need this book. But if that's not you, you need this book leadership and self-deception by the Arbinger Institute. It is an amazing book. It's sim it, the idea that the ideas in it are simple for you to grasp, but they are not easy, totally easy to make happen to pull off. But that's that's what metacognition is. It's it's thinking about these things it doesn't mean it's easy, right? But it means that it's it's worth it. It's worth thinking about. So this book gets into a couple ideas, and so. Let me define a couple of terms in the book as I'm not going to, I am not going to go through this whole book. You need to just get it, but I'm going to drop a few small, just different nuggets of knowledge from this book. And so one of the first terms in the book that you come across is, is self-betrayal. And in this book, they define the Arbiter Institute In this book defines self-betrayal as an act contrary to what I feel I should do for another So, let me read that again. So, self-betrayal is an act contrary to what I feel I should do for another. All right? So, that's self-betrayal. And self-deception is really, if I'm just going to loosely define it, is is basically justifying your self-betrayal. All right? So, so self-deception is the way you go about justifying why. And why it's okay that you self-betrayed, <laughs> betrayed yourself, you played yourself, you know, you make justifications for that. And so it gives a great example in the book. And I think it's 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 one, if, if, if you have kids, this will hit home so fast, <laughs> you won't even know. I mean, the first time it hit me, I was like, whoa, okay, hold on, I got to go back and read that. But because it was so real it just slapped me upside the head was he he gives the, in the book this example of this guy and he's being talked to by by uh, another leader of the of the office that you know manager at work and that's kind of the the whole book's great read because it's you kind of a fly on the wall of this conversation that's going on and so it's it's just great and so it kind of comes down to this example of is that he gets up his wife, the baby's crying, right? They get away. He and his wife have a small child, middle of the night, sleeping. All of a sudden you you hear that little they hear the little baby crying. And you think, you think to yourself, I should get up. I, yeah, I should get up and go, you know, change the baby's diaper, see what it needs, you know, see what he or she needs. I should go do that. But then. You have a choice and you can get up out of bed or like a bunch of us do, is you pretend you're asleep. You don't hear that baby crying. And then you betrayed that thought, right? You betrayed yourself and uh, that's where it starts. So you get the self-betrayal. I should have got up, I should get up and take care of the baby. Then you don't. And now here is where the self-deception starts. So you start justifying why you betrayed yourself. Hey, I got to get up in the morning, go to work, and maybe in in a situation your wife doesn't need to get up, so she should have got up. I have to go to work in the morning. I'm important at work. I got to have a well, I got to have a good night's sleep at work because people are counting on me. You know, it's only fair I got up last time when probably you didn't, but you're going to justify it. But here is the real thing that just hits. And this is where uh, the book goes into this idea of the box. And the box is this. You get yourself in the box, not only when you you start when you self-betrayal, but then the self-deception. But you start seeing the other person differently. It can happen even at work. You start seeing, you're seeing the other person as lazy, or inconsiderate, unappreciative, insensitive. They're faking. And, you know they're a lousy manager. They're a lousy worker. So all these things you start justifying. But then not only justifying your own actions, but now you start seeing the other person differently and what it what the box does when you get in the box and what this book talks about is when you get in the box you stop seeing uh, people as people you start seeing them as objects and see objects become much easier to continue to see in that the light of your justifications it's really easy to see them that way because they're just an object not a person the box it, it 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 stunts your ability to see people and just you just treat them and see them as objects and and it's powerful as you read through the book but you know it's possible to get out of the box but the only way to get out of the box is to is to one we get metacognition to think about your thinking thinking about your thoughts being honest yeah you know, right honest reflection on your choice going back to when you self-betrayed right when you played yourself going back to that and then you have to see stop seeing the other person as object and see them as a person see them as a person and you'll treat you you treat people way different than you objects and so to get out of the box you have to do those. And this is a, it's a beautiful book, so leadership and self De- the self deception by the Arbinger Institute. If you're interested at all this metacognition of really becoming the best leader at home, the best uh, and just a you know a great leader in general. Now this is now it doesn't take theology to read this book. But Your theology will make it, theology will even strengthen this book to understand the importance of seeing people as people. People seeing others that bear the image of God. It can only help to get you out of the box, to push you. The gospel pushes you to get out of the box and stay out of the box. So how do we live free, right? How do we get out of the box and live a fr- live freedom from the box? Well, it starts with theology. It starts with our theology. Like Ray Anderson said in the book, let me read this quote again just to finish it off. I think it's page 26 or 27. Let's read page 27 here. It says, "Therefore, Theology is the task and responsibility of bringing our minds as well as our actions under the direction of the divine logos. This is a personal and devotional act, of course, but it is also an act and process of critical thinking. So the metacognition and the thinking deeply from leadership and self-deception combined with this theology Man, it's a powerful thing to live free, to get you out of the box to live free. How you, you know, act and process, you know, how you act and process critical, so critically thinking about actions and then translating all your thoughts into actions that reflect God. And another part of of living free is this is this idea. I worked at a children's home called Eagle Ranch. And the director of counseling there at the time when I was there, his name was Ronnie Weeks. Just a great guy. And as we would talk, he talked to the, I worked in the guys' home. So when he talked to the guys, he used this term. And I just and, and I didn't even realize it until really recently thinking about these books that he was really, he was really trying to get these young guys to really start metacognition to start thinking about their thinking because he'd always, whenever they make a choice that was, you know, negative and, and, and they try to justify it or so he called that stinking thinking, that stinking thinking. And it really was those, the way those thoughts would lead you, where those thoughts, where that thinking and then the actions, you know, apply without thinking get you to stinking thinking a stinking place, a place you don't want to be. And so you got to change that. And the only way to change that, in my opinion, is gospel thinking. So centering our thinking on our theology, on God, on seeing the gospel as influencing the way we think. And then as we continually metacognition to think about our thinking, we're looking through the lens of the gospel. We're looking through this lens of getting out of the box, of seeing others as people, not objects. It's real easy to treat someone differently if you don't see them as a person. And then lastly, like you know, finding your I would say living free, finding your true self. So for me, the Enneagram has been super helpful for me. But I'm sure there's other tools and other ways to do that. But helping you to really think deeply about how you see yourself and how God sees yourself. See, the Enneagram and the road back to you that book leads you to a place of seeing also not only motivations and pitfalls, but also seeing how those things translate into your walk with the Lord. And understanding those things can, can help you, and it's helped me so much. So finding kind of that, that truer self, the self you want to be, the self that you want to be able to think like Jesus and act like Jesus, it helps. So find something like the Enneagram, find something, you know, the Bible, prayer, and and others, tools, other tools that can help you. Find those things to get yourself to where you're thinking rightly, that your metacognition is leading to actions that display God to others. Well, I hope this has been helpful. I hope this has kind of been maybe an introductory course or idea to metacognition maybe spur you on to think deeper about the about this to really uh, look at how you can apply this to your own life to your own leadership to your own theology and so i will say goodbye for now and maybe the meta meta y'all podcast will be back for a second episode but thank you for joining in and god bless